Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Good morning and welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Today is Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. The weather today will be a high of 22 degree, 27 <laughs> degrees in Edmonton. Another hot one. <laughs> Thanks, Everly. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. We're broadcasting live as we do every morning at 6 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Friday. If you want to join in live, go download that Podbean app and search out the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. To get involved in the conversation, this is the best place to be in the morning for real estate investors. It is the drive time show. It is the getting lunch ready for the kids show. It is the brushing your teeth show for real estate investors. Listening from the shower show. Listening from the shower show. <laughs> I know. I know some of you do. Do they? <laughs> yeah. Have they admitted to it? Yeah. I listen to you in the shower. <laughs> Is, has someone fan mailed you that they listen to no, you in the no, shower? No, no, that's not it. Should we it be wasn't having like a, that? It wasn't okay. like that. Hang on, let's just. <laughs> do we need to talk about this? You just did this like big post yesterday on Facebook about how my husband's so great. It's such a great relationship, and meanwhile, you're having getting all this fan mail from the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Anyways, uh, Wilson wasn't the first one in here. I just wanted to point that out. Wilson was not the first one in here. No. He okay. thought he was all high and mighty yesterday, but I just thought I'd knock him down a notch or two. <laughs> Kidding. I love you, Wilson. Always room for improvement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, big, big shout out to Cody. Cody hit his goal today. He was able to run five kilometers. What? And he ran it before the show. What? That's amazing, Cody. You inspire me to run, but I never will. I know it deep inside. <laughs> Wowzers. That's amazing. Now he's just trying to find a flip. That's where he's <laughs> been running. He's been running through neighborhoods trying to find his next deal. He is running for dollars. <laughs> That's pretty cool. R Ryan Letniak wants to know, will there be a show this Friday morning? Do we have another holiday? Oh, it's, I don't uh, think so. It's the, it's the new one. Oh, Truth and Reconciliation. I forgot about that. It's an actual holiday now. Oh, that's why she doesn't have school. Okay. It's all making sense. Uh, then I guess no. No. We will not have a show this Friday. No show on Friday. Why don't you get up and go run five kilometers? Yeah. <laughs> no show on Friday time. and no show on 10th. Is it the 10th is the holiday? Mm. Yes. What's that? Thanksgiving? Th yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, our kids missing this Friday, next Friday, the Monday after that, the Tuesday after that. <laughs> Lots of time off. Rest, recuperate. <laughs> Keaton says, I cannot believe I missed yesterday's show. Keaton's calling in as well. I'm not sure if his finger slipped, but we'll uh, we'll answer that call in just a minute here. Um as you can tell, for those of you that uh, that aren't listening live, this is this is this is what we do. We you know, people post in the comments and people click the call in button. I think it was an accidental. It was definitely a slip. Yeah, his finger slipped. He got so excited. He's coming on the show this morning oh, to cute. say hello, and his finger slipped. <laughs> Get um, our hopes up. Uh, okay, quick word from our sponsors. All right. If you are listening to this podcast and you currently invest in Southwest Ontario or Alberta, you need to get on the DCI Properties Buyers List, like now. These guys have wicked deals for flippers and buy and hold investors. They know their numbers and they are really easy to work with. In speaking with their owner, their goal is to help investors get into properties that make them money. That's it, plain and simple. Don't wait, get on their list and start accessing these amazing deals today. 
just go to www.dciproperties.ca slash Alberta buyers to access their off-market Alberta properties and www.dciproperties.ca slash buyers for their Ontario properties. It's just that easy. It really is. It really is. Uh, Taylor just asked the same question. She must have been coming in a little bit late. Um, no, there will not be any. Uh, oh, Friday live training. My apologies. I misread. Yes, there is Friday live training. Um, it. I don't remember anything. Six o'clock. <laughs> Six p.m. on Friday. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be hosted by uh, Jared Como and Joey Critch. Um, they're going to be doing a session on how to buy that flipping deal. So they're going to be, um, if I recall, they're going to be doing a little bit of training on how to analyze a deal in five minutes or less. Um, you know, good deals are time sensitive. Fleeting. <laughs> that too. <laughs> they are time sensitive. It's crucial to, to, to make sure you hop on it as quickly as possible. There is no time to think about it. There's no mm -hmm. time to call your mom or your dad and, and all the other people and say, hey, is this a good deal? No, you got to know what a good deal is. So you got to be able to analyze a deal very, very quickly and jump on it if you want a good deal or a great deal. If you want anybody can get a deal, right? Mm -hmm. But a great one, they need to be able to, you know, got to be jumping on it really fast. So they're going to teach how to analyze a deal in five minutes or less. So tune in to that on Friday uh, for Friday Live Training. That's in the Real Estate Investing Masters Facebook group. Um, what else we got for upcoming events? Uh, well, tonight, uh, Wayne is actually going to be presenting at the Mogul Mastermind uh, uh, live in person in Edmonton. You can also <laughs> watch online. And uh, you're going to be presenting on agreements for sale. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Um, could be talking about how to use agreement for sales uh, on the seller side. Mm -hmm. and how it can benefit the seller. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not always just for desperate or motivated sellers, you know, for buyers to come in and, and solve their problems. Um, you can also use it as a, as a, as a strategic exit strategy, mm -hmm. which we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, to get it, you know, tickets for that, just go to Eventbrite, look up the Mogul Mastermind, free tickets. Mm -hmm. If I recall, you can watch online as well. Yeah. But the true experience is live in Edmonton. Absolutely. If you're able Hop to on the plane. <laughs> come by, say hello, have a cookie. Nice. Um, obviously, we just finished up doing the Agreement for Sale workshop last weekend. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of you guys were, a few people were, were reached out to me, said they were extremely bummed. Um, some people had some things going on last weekend. Some people just didn't quite have the money lined up. If you guys are still interested in agreement for sales, Real Estate Investing Masters Mentorship Group has the agreement for sale home study kit for yeah. free. Yeah. In fact, we have a group of mentees going through the course right now and um, meeting regularly to um, kind of like recap everything. That's right. Who was it that was instigating that? Not instigating it, but starting that. I think Roxanne. I, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, someone had reached out and said, hey, you know, I'm going through this again. Does anybody want to go through it with me and, um, you know, go through the whole manual together? And a bunch of people jumped on it. So yeah. that's, that's amazing. And that's what the community is all about. That's, it's, it's, that's accountability. That's, mm -hmm. that's leaning on your, um, on your circle. So uh, guys, if you guys are still on the fence, I mean, the Agreement for Sale Home Study Kit is there. It comes with yeah. the audio in the video. Um, not to mention the rent to own course and the wholesaling course, the joint venture course, the fix and flip course. Um, and as well, we do monthly uh, workshops as well and masterminds. This weekend, we're doing a raising capital mastermind, which is going to be pretty intense. Um, I was just letting the, the the master's mentees know yesterday that, hey, it's going to be very interactive. So make sure that you, you're dressed because <laughs> cameras are going to be on and we're going to be giving you stuff to do. It's not going to be a presentation. Um, I'm not, I, I don't like presenting. I don't, I like taking action. So I'd much rather sit with someone, explain to them how to, you know, what they need to do and then watch them do it. Right. So that's, what's going to happen this weekend. I have a very, very good feeling that a lot of money is going to be raised on Sunday. If people. Actively participate. Participate. That was the word I was looking for. Thank <laughs> you. If they participate. So if you guys want to get involved in that, 
it's not too late. REIMasters.ca. Um, okay. Do we have new people this morning? I don't know. Who are you looking at? Uh, Christina Regal. Yeah. Bible News. What are we talking about today? Push. Yesterday you, we... You got something, right? <clears throat> nah. <laughs> not really. Sometimes. Um, well, I get... I get I get people, you know, sliding into the DMs from time to time and I get people messaging me and, you know, asking questions and stuff. And normally I'll, if you send me a message, I will answer the, if you send me a question, I'll answer the question. As long as I'm not too crazy busy, I'll get, I'll answer your question. If you're going to send me 20 questions or you're going to ask me, you know, why is the world round? Come on the show in the morning, please. And we can have a we thorough. We'd love di- to talk about it. We'll have a thorough discussion. Uh, um, but if it's just quick questions, I don't mind answering them. But sometimes like some of those questions that we get, um, are really good questions and, you know, things we haven't talked about in a while. So, um, but I haven't gotten any recently. Well, I have, but I haven't nothing worth talking about on the show, but if you guys do have anything that you guys want to talk about, um, Ryan does, Ryan does. Yeah. Ryan has a follow-up question from yesterday's conversation. Um, about accessing equity. Um, okay. I thought he put his question in his comment, but it's just a comment that he has a follow-up question. Oh, so, he, Ryan, he's got it down here. Oh, I had a follow-up question from yesterday about who can access equity HELOC in a JV. Um, oh, okay. I see. So I think what he's referring to is that if it's a rental property that yeah. you own 50%, with another joint venture partner, um, who gets access to that money? Mm-hmm. That is negotiable. Negotiable. I've seen many people do it many different ways. I mean, if it if it were to benefit you as the expert. You could say that any money that is pulled out of the home equity line of credits would be split. So that way you get some of your profits first before the end of the the whole joint venture. Because typically, actually, you know, this 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 question can extend into cash flow as well. Mm-hmm. Who gets cash flow every month or who gets cash flow at the end of the year and how often is it paid out? All of that is negotiable in a joint venture agreement. Because typically, I think it's almost standard terms in the joint venture agreement, most joint venture agreements, is that the joint venture money partner gets their money back first, and then the remaining profits are split. That's the standard structure. Meaning, when you sell the property, the total received funds, you would subtract and pay you would you would pay back the the money investor first whatever their down payment reserve fund and any additional contributions they would get that back first their investment and then the remaining proceeds would be split in what according to whatever the percentage of the joint venture agreement is normally 50-50 but what about cash flow every month isn't the joint venture money partner supposed to get their money back first well typically you would most people would add in that the the cash flow is split because the the joint venture expert or the expert partner they want some living money right if you're a if you're a real estate investor who's trying to be a full-time real estate investor and live off of your cash flow or live off of your business you do want some monthly cash flow to support yourself and your family so you can put it in there that all monthly cash flow cash flow will be paid out monthly and it will be split uh 50 50. If after your mortgage term, you decide that you want to add a HELOC uh, or refinance and pull out some equity, you can also state in your agreement who, how that's distributed. Some people have been known to say, you know, to add in their agreements that 
it would be split 50-50. And that's just, it just reduces the proceeds, right? So the joint venture partner is still going to get their investment back later, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or what you can do is you can have it that it is paid back to the money partner. And it's kind of a good selling feature in my opinion. When you're trying to, to I hate using this word, but a lot of, a lot of you do. So I'll use it. When you're trying to convince a joint venture, joint venture partner to invest with you and they want to know when am I going to get my money back? When am I going to get my investment back? It's a good selling feature to say a selling feature on the deal to say that when we refinance the property in five or eight years and we pull out a big chunk of money, that money goes back to you. Okay. So you invested $100,000 in five years, for example, when we'd get a HELOC and we pull out $50,000, that money goes back to you. However, at that point, if you decide, hey, I want to reinvest this money and I want to reinvest it with you and buy another property, then we can look at that. So what you can do is you can take your money out, Mr. or Mrs. Money Investor. Is my mic low today? Seems like it's low. You can take that money out and we, if you're, if you're loving it, then we can just take that money and, and put it down on another property. And I like that personally. So I, I like I like giving them the option, right? If they really didn't think about that money at all for the last five or 10 years, however long, and then you're just kind of handing them a big check back, the fact of the idea of that sitting in their account or sitting, you know, back on their HELOC or whichever else on their home Equiland of credit or, or back in their savings account, the thought of that might actually be like, oh, that sounds, seems like a waste. I could be getting more cash flow. So if you do a good job as a working partner, as an expert, they're very likely to go and reinvest that money back with you. And then you're going to get 50% of the proceeds on that. And your profits are still left in the original property. So personally, I want to give them their money back because I want them to buy more properties with me Mm -hmm. and create a compound effect. So that's my opinion. That's, that's, that's my position. That's how we do it, but it's entirely up to you. If you're, if you want money now, then you can definitely have it that you get paid 50% of it, or you can do a really fucking good job and then tell the joint venture partner, Hey, just want to let you know, here's a big check. Here's some of your money back. I know you invested a hundred. Here's $75,000 back. Well, what? Hang on. What What do you mean? Well, we did a refinance and we were able to get your money out. Holy, wow. Okay. Well, can we buy another one? Mm-hmm. It's exactly what they're going to say. They're going to love it. They were very skeptical and uncertain that first time that you told them about this whole real estate investing thing because they were so scared of all the things that could possibly happen. And then when five or 10 years go by, and they realized none of that happened and a bunch of stuff did happen that they never thought of, but you took control of it and you managed it and they didn't have to worry about it. And you're a hero. Suddenly now that they have money, they don't have to think about all those on, you know, all those what ifs anymore because they know that you've got it. So yeah, that's my position on that. Um, Keaton says, if you were a working partner, and you had a cash partner who just couldn't stop taking on deals and maxing their leverage to the point of instability, would you consider that an issue? Uh, can you say that again? Sorry, I, I'm, I'm a visual person. I, I was just saving a couple questions here. Um, if you were a working partner and you had a cash partner who just couldn't stop taking on deals and maxing their leverage to the point of instability. Would you consider that an issue? I think I need a little more context to that question. Yeah. I don't quite understand. If you were a working partner, you had a cash partner. You just couldn't stop taking on deals. I mean, you're the working partner. Why is the cash partner taking on deals? 
Uh, I think like maybe leveraging themselves and like keep using all of their leverage, all of their money in deals, pulling out equity. I don't know. Um, I mean, the the only issue would come up is if that cash partner or that money partner was suddenly like, hey, man, I need to sell this property. I need my money out of here. I uh, did a bunch of deals with some other people, and uh, yeah, I'm going to need my money back. Yeah, so say, say with other partners or on their own. I mean, you got to do your background checks and your due diligence on your partners, right? I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't affect your deal from a legal perspective, right? You're going to do all of your, you're going to do all your background checks on them to make sure they're good. Um, And then you're going to put all the clauses in your joint venture agreement that, that protect you. And lastly, you can get an insurance policy on that person just in case, right? just in case you need a payout because they didn't do what they're supposed to. However, you know, when I, when I talked to joint venture partners, I I can't remember if I talked about this on the show or whether we talked about it, I was talking about it with someone else. I don't add those buy sell clauses or shotgun clauses to my joint venture. When I talk to my joint, and even though they're there to, you know, they're there to, They're there to give options when, when the relationship goes sour in a joint venture agreement. I'm not going to go go into details on them. If you guys want to learn more about that, you know, join the mentorship group, or or ask someone else about joint, take a joint venture course. But um, those clauses are there in the event that the relationship goes sour and somebody wants out of an agreement. I don't put them in there. I explain to my joint venture partner that hey, I don't have these in here because you are doing a ten year investment here. Minimum. I always do minimum 10-year joint ventures. If at any point you think you're going to need your money out in the next 10 years, then we're not going to do this deal. Because they ask the question all the time. Well, what if I? What if something happens and I need my money out? This is not a liquid deal. You're going to get your cash flow every month, as agreed. We may do a HELOC in the future and pull some of your money out. But this is 10 years. This is a long-term buy and hold, and it's meant to be long-term. And I don't want, if you believe that something is going to get in the way of that and create instability in this joint venture agreement and cause some friction between our relationship, then I don't want to do this deal. This is an investment. Imagine you're investing in a business for 10 years, okay? You don't get that money back out for 10 years. So that's that's my thoughts on that. But if I feel like this person's reckless and, and there's still going to be a huge headache to me, I don't do joint ventures with people that are going to be headaches. Personally, I don't normally do joint ventures with other investors. I like doing joint ventures with friends and family. Mm-hmm. Significantly easier. Because they're not savvy. They're not sophisticated in this in this realm. They're just happy to benefit from investing with you. And it's a lot easier to manage. Yeah. Because they don't second guess your 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 decisions either. Mm-hmm. So that it kind of solves that problem, this this question for for me at least. Yeah. Um, but I, I would Make sure you're doing your diligence and, and doing your background checks on your joint venture partners. Make sure your values align. And if they're going to be a huge pain in the ass because they're reckless, then, then probably it's better to avoid them. Doesn't that sound funny to say or to hear? Don't so, take someone's money. Yeah. Don't take someone's money. <laughs> Just saying. You don't have to take someone's money. I'm also just saying. There is lots of money out there. Mm-hmm. Where's our masters right now? Where's our where's our mentees that are like raising money like like crazy right now? <clears throat> where's Cody at? Cody's doing an amazing job raising capital. Yeah. Keaton says when they get the REI bug, they get it. I think that most people need to have um, an existing interest. I don't know. Like I, we have um, a handful of joint venture partners that um, have been joint venturing with us for years, and they have never, like, they just keep giving us their money when they have more. 
they don't want to take it on themselves. So we've never experienced that. We've never experienced somebody not in real estate investing, joint venture with us and then get the bug and then go and do a whole bunch of stuff on their own. Yeah. Not to say that I don't believe it doesn't happen. I'm just saying we haven't experienced that. We have one partner that really wanted to, but he just realized that it's just, he doesn't have the time for it. He wanted to learn. And I said, I'd do my best. Um, but just, he just doesn't have the time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not something you can just teach over a, a you know, a, a two hour coffee break. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's, um, it's something, it's something that you really need to dive in, into and be 100% into for, for many years before you get any good at it. There's just so much information to consume and so many different systems that you're going to want to, you know, build. Um, it's a business, right? You're learning how to, how to, how to run a real estate investing business. It's not something you can just teach really quickly. Um, there were a few questions. Also, Wilson was saying something about calling in. I'm not hundred percent sure. I didn't see Wilson calling in. No, he, no. Ignore that. Ignored. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go back up to, to, to a little bit higher here because um, uh, there was some – Jeremy had a question that was on a different topic, but was, are we still on Are still on joint ventures? Uh, I only saw one other question from Wilson. Hmm. Um, do you get the JV – do you get the JV to transfer all of the funds required to you prior to closing? Many JVs are hesitant on doing that. Uh, do you want to answer? Um, I think what Wilson is really asking about is um, when somebody closes on the property, the disclosure of having a joint venture partner working with you and that nobody else has an interest in the property. So that's kind of on the mortgage qualification front of things. Um, and I think that it's become more, um, more talked about and more well-known that, um, you know, like when you go and you sign your mortgage documents with your lawyer, when you're closing on a property, there's that question, does anybody else have, um, an interest in this property and you declare no, or if you declare yes, then they want the other person to qualify on the mortgage with you. Right. Correct. So, um, you know, I think that there's a question of intent and there's also a question of, um, you know, how how some people navigate that has been um, that there's no joint venture agreement in place prior. Like the, the person qualifying for the mortgage goes and gets the mortgage. Um, and then a joint venture gets discussed and put in place. Right. Well, uh, Wilson, this also really depends on who's who's carrying the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Because in most cases, the money partner uh, is is the one that's getting the financing for a standard buy and hold um, rental joint venture agreement. So, your the 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 money partner would normally bring the funds and get the mortgage qualifications, and uh, they wouldn't typically send the funds over to you unless it would be a different example of a joint venture agreement. And there's many different ways to to structure it. Perhaps the working partner um, already has a rental property in place. It's already, it's turnkey, it's ready, there's tenants in it. Um, we've done that before, where we've already had a rental property, it's set up, we already had the financing on it, and the joint venture just needs to bring the money. And once they bring the money in, then we will give them 50% of the profits. Okay. So in that case, then then yes, they would. Well, while well, this wouldn't be prior to closing, that would just be another example. Just so you can kind of see, they would send the money over. There would joint venture agreement would be would be put together, and then now they would be fifty percent owners. Uh, lastly, would be the other example where you, the working partner, have already got the deal locked up. You're going to be getting the financing. However, you need the down payment funds, as Gabby mentioned the lender is going to be asking questions about where this money came from. And they're going to be wondering why that joint venture partner is not on title and on mortgage. 
because part of those mortgage documents, you know, that you're going to be signing is you're going to be signing a, a declaration that there is no other third party interests in this property. And it's going to be very difficult for you to do that unless you're trying to get them to send the money 60 days or 90 days into your bank account before you're ready to close so that you can kind of hide that money and lie on your declaration that it's somebody else has a third party interest. This is such a gray area. It's such a gray area. And I think that try and stay out of I'm not, I'm not, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Keaton's laughing right now because he knows I dug myself into a hole. Keaton and I were talking about this on the weekend. Were you? Yeah. Just uh, don't do that. And um, just try and stay out of the gray area as much as, as much as possible. Try and, you know, have the money partner purchase the property with their own down payment funds and then add the joint venture agreement after the fact. Mm -hmm. But what if they just run away and take the deal themselves? Good for them. You know, um, should yeah. have been a partner you should have uh, been working with. Well, yeah, I mean, Mazel Tov. Yeah, Keaton says then you had the wrong partner and dodged a bullet. Exactly. There you go. There you go. I mean, you, you did a little bit of work and you, and and yeah, and they ran off with your deal. Go find another deal. Move on. Yeah. Uh, Wilson is calling in. Don't get us in trouble, Wilson. Good morning. Morning. How are you guys? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's a beautiful day. It's sun. It's not. Um, so the reason that I'm calling is because I just want to specify. It's not that I'm talking about the financing and the mortgage and the down payment. I'm talking about the renovation construction part of the deal. Um, the problem that I keep having is that yes, because we can't really sign a JV agreement, there can be transfer of funds prior to the closing. Um, when we do close, I have people lined up, mostly demo, bins, landscaping. However, when they need payment, you know, I go back to the JV, hey, what happened with the money that, uh, you know, the $10,000 initial uh, payment that we need? Oh, it's coming. Oh, it's coming this weekend. Oh, it's uh, I'm setting up the account. Oh, there's always an excuse. So I just wanted to see how do you guys set it up in such a way that you guys are not running into that. Don't you just wish that people would do what they say they're going to do? <laughs> seems like my seems seems like my catchphrase this week. <laughs> so, so um, a, a dog and, and you're like, let's go, let's go party, and you get them all excited and pumped up, and, and yeah, it's like nothing's being thrown. It's like, okay, come on, buddy, what's going on? Uh. I think that's just part of the process and it's unfortunate um, and there might be delays because of that. Um, I would say that leading up to the closing, um, that probably um, just from experience of what you've been experiencing, that l leading up to that closing, it would be uber important, like super open communication about like, okay, so in your account, you have all of the funds that you're going to need for closing. Um, plus you have, you know, the, the 10 K that we agreed that you were going to send over that same day. So that when we get the keys, we can pay for the bin and everything, um, get that demo crew in and just like really open communication, get them to confirm. Yep. It's all there. It's all there. Yeah. I transferred it out. I had to bring it from over here, but yeah, it's all there. Um, just, I guess, so that when you get to that point, um, there's not like, oh, I, yeah, I need to bring it in from over from this account. It's going to take a couple days. Um, just like, I guess, keep reminding them in, in the week or two leading up that that all needs to be in place for that day. True. I, I can add one more, one more to, if you really, really want to go deep into this, what you can do is have, have your joint venture agreement go through lawyers. Right. And I know a lot of experienced investors, probably like yourself, you've done enough joint ventures now that you have your own agreements. You send it off to your joint venture partner and say, and they ask, hey, do I have to have this reviewed by a lawyer? And you tell them, hey, I, I strongly suggest you get your own independent legal advice, review this, you know, pay your lawyer an hour 
you know, and, and have them review this contract with you to make sure that you're comfortable with all the terms because it can be a little overwhelming first time you read it, but you're not, you're not sending it to the lawyer because you don't need to. Right. And this isn't like, you know, you guys sit at a table, you know, opposite of each other with a lawyer beside you. And you guys are like, I don't like this term. No, this term does not sound satisfactory. This is misleading. Like, no, that stuff doesn't happen. You send them the agreement. They do their own due diligence. And, you know, they get their independent legal advice and 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 then they sign. What you can do is if you put it through the lawyers and say, have your lawyer contact their lawyer. And then once they've signed. As part of this, you know, at the time of signing, have them send the funds to be held in trust by your lawyer. That there will resolve that issue. Hey, we're going to have it held in trust. What's the proper word? Why? I can't think of the right word. But while in, until the closing happens, and when the closing happens, then the funds are released, and your lawyer is 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 responsible for upholding that. In your so that experience, do you have a setup payment schedule? Or is it just a whole amount up front because of the interest? I mean, in our case, it's a HELOC. So the more they withdraw, the more interest they pay on that money. And to be sitting in an account until construction happens to the, you know, to use those funds is kind of, you know, waste of money. I can, I can understand that, but uh, uh, it should be, it should be held in, in, in your account, in my opinion, because you don't want to be calling them every other effing week, trying to get another five grand, another five grand. I was going to say, I think it comes down to, um, you know, there's a sense of like, okay, it makes sense. We're spending more money if we take it all up front. But then you have zero risk, zero hassle. You have control of it. You can do what you need to do when you need to do it. Um, and you're not waiting on them to draw that. So personally, like, I mean, we, besides a couple of our flips, we don't generally, um, like, we have more just kind of like long-term buy and hold, not like renovation style joint ventures. So like, I mean, in our, in our fix and flip situations, money up front, yeah. all of it that we need. And that comes back to trust as well, right? Yeah. If, if they're having an issue with that, it might be trust, but it sounds like it's a, oh, I don't want to pull it out of my home equity line of credit and get dinged on the interest on it. Um, I'm just going to disconnect Wilson here so that um, just because the, the, it's the audio. Um, one other thing I wanted to add was that um, the interest isn't that much. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just got to reduce our mics. Um, the interest is not that much. Okay. Like, and I, and I should have asked him how much, like, as an example, like how much money are we talking about? You know, that someone's pulling out of the home equity yeah. credit. Let's assume it's $100,000, $100,000 on a, on a home equity credit that's 5% interest. Okay. That's the, the interest on, on that. If you pulled it out for a year, a full year would be $5,000 right? 5% yearly on $100,000, uh, $5,000. Very simple math. Divide that by 12 and it will tell you how much you're paying monthly. It's $416. So if you're doing like a three-month renovation or a four-month renovation, it's like 1200 to 1600 bucks. It's not that much. And if they have to keep their money out for an additional 30 days and it costs them an extra 400 bucks, like it's not that much. Like, yeah, honestly, right? I think a lot of people, they're like, oh, it's $100,000. I'm paying interest on that every day. $13 a day. Like, calm down. But a lot of people don't know how to calculate that, right? Yeah. Now, you as a real estate investor, you know how to calculate that. And you can educate them on that to give them more ease and more comfort around it and more understanding mm-hmm. more than anything. Um, because they they don't understand how that works, right? Where are we at? 
Where are we at? Uh, Keaton added a comment there and I thought it was really good. I, I almost said that too. Um, he said, worst case scenario, if they're like, if they're being dinks about it and about that extra month of, uh, of carrying, uh, that extra 400 bucks a month for carrying that interest, sorry, carrying that HELOC and paying the interest on it, then eat the cost. Say, Hey, you know what? I understand. I understand this is going to be an extra month of you pulling this out of the HELOC and you're concerned about paying the interest on it, I'll tell you what, what if I paid the interest? Would that make you feel better? This is something I, I've, I've, I've taught many times in different joint venture courses. Um, when it comes to joint ventures, find out what their one thing is. There's normally, I, I call it the big domino. Okay, because I stole it. I'm not going to lie. Um, but the, the big domino um, is, is normally there's like, a series of, 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 of small dominoes. What happens if this, what happens if this, or well, what about this? Or what about this? And what about this? And what about this tiny little, little things that are stopping them from moving forward. But normally there's always one big one. And what your job is when you're trying to close someone on anything in sales in general, try and figure out what that one big one is. What's that one big domino that if you can, if you can knock that one over, it will knock over every other small little domino down the line and you will have no other questions and they'll be ready to do business with you. So find out what that big domino is. And if that big domino, the one thing that's preventing them from moving forward and being 100% all in is, I don't want to pay the interest on the HELOC while we wait, then say, okay, what if I paid the HELOC interest for you? Would you be willing to move forward? And if they say, yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly, I mean, I wish you would have said that from the beginning. Okay, done. I'll add it into the joint venture agreement. Let's get going. Hand them the pen. Sign on the line that is dotted. Let's get moving. Yeah. Right? The big domino. Think about that. What's the big domino? What's the one big thing that is preventing them from moving forward? If you can knock that mother down, all the other dominoes are going to fall down. Suddenly you got yourself, someone is 100% committed. I might be wrong, um, but I think that Wilson had said that he is paying the interest. So I think that on his end, it might have been that that if they wait and take draws, then it reduces his costs. Sounds too complicated. Yeah. I would just take the money, be in control. Yeah. Pay the interest. It's just, yeah. Hey, I'm ready for that other $20,000. Can you pull it out now? Yeah. yeah it's messy. Especially if you have lots of stuff going on. Like if you have multiple renovations and, you know, you're drumming up deals and working with people, to have to do that with each person at every time when you need money, like that's that's a pain. And to be honest, in most cases, they would normally pay the interest on their on their HELOC. Yeah. The fact that you're paying it is above and beyond. Yeah. So just... They're, yeah, they're, they're making money on that money that they're pulling, so... Just, just get yeah. it in your hands. Yeah. I, unless no, I would I would factor that into the deal and and your end personally, and just its cost of doing business. T five that. Cody says Grant Cardone that shit. Sign here, here, and here. You know what? I'm not a big fan of Grant Cardone. He's a little too over the top. But to be honest, um, when I'm when I'm in sales mode, um, a, a slight drawl seems to come out in my voice, and it's just what's required. When when you when you got to close, sometimes you need to you need to be a bit of a chameleon. Because uh, I've said many times, Wayne, this Wayne right here, Wayne, he doesn't sell. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a sales, like my, my character. I'm not saying I'm not a salesperson. I'm not identical. Like I, what I'm saying is, is that Wayne, this character is typically not a good salesperson. This character right here is not the type that is a fast talking, you know, smooth, you know what I mean? Closer. That doesn't mean that I can't be a closer. It just means that I have to change my character ever so slightly. You'll know. You'll know when you got Wayne the closer. Because you've but been it, closed. 
put that in a coffee mug. Um, <laughs> no, it's, I, I hate when people um, define themselves or identify as I am not that type of person or I can't do that. No, you can, you can grow, but sometimes you might just have to put a different hat on. The person that you operate on as, as, as on, on a day-to-day basis, it might not be, you know, you're, you might not be able to do everything. You might not be able to, you know, that version of you might not be able to have those tough conversations with contractors, right? Might not be the closer, might not be the salesperson, might not be the marketer. That doesn't mean that you can't put a different hat on for 20 minutes and get it done, right? Mm-hmm. Gabby, are you a closer? Are you a fast talking closer no. right now? No. And when you just said those things, it's like, you know, I've had to come so far out of my shell in so many ways on this real estate investing journey. And I think that it's really taken me up until like the last year or two to really realize that when shit needs to get done, it doesn't matter how you're feeling or what's going on. You need to literally just be like, I'm going to be somebody else for a couple of minutes here and make this damn call to and do what done. needs to be done. Yeah. yeah. With a tenant or with a, like whatever, whatever's going on. It's like, sometimes you just need to like, yeah, alter ego it. Chameleon. Do a countdown three, two, one and do what needs to be done. Yeah. That's a really good point. That applies to everything, right? Because I, I, I certainly, on this journey, I don't want any of you to change who you are. You don't have to change who you are. I think, if anything, the only, the only, the only really truly important thing that you need to work on is you, is two things: to become a successful entrepreneur. You need to be able to make decisions quickly, very quickly. You need to learn how to be a critical thinker and you need to learn how to make decisions fast and you need to have confidence in your abilities. That is it. Those are the two things that you need to, that you need to be a successful entrepreneur. You need to be able to make decisions fast, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the probabilities. If you've got two options sitting right in front of you and it's 60, 40, just choose the one that's 60 or choose the one that's 40. Who doesn't, who gives a shit? If it's 50, 50, choose one, just choose one and move forward. Always moving forward. And the other thing is to have confidence in your abilities that if it was not the best decision that you will be able to fix it as you move forward. Or if something happens and you make a wrong decision or you, you choose a wrong partner or something like that, you have the ability and the confidence in yourself in order to adapt on the fly confidence in yourself. Those are the two things. As far as being, I'm not a good salesperson. I'm not a good marketer. I'm not really good on camera, all that other stuff. You can figure that shit out. You can just put a different hat on, be a chameleon. Right? Yeah. And Wayne, you said, um, to me, something really important is that you don't, uh, you don't need to change. You're not saying you need to change who you are. And I personally think something that I'd add to what you said those most important things are is figuring out who the fuck you are, who are you and be more of that person. Mm -hmm. Because if you're trying to be somebody else and you're trying to change who you are so that you can become the closer, you could become this person or that person, people smell that shit. When you're not yourself, people aren't going to, uh, aren't going to gravitate towards you and aren't going to want to do business with you. And if you're faking it, it's only going to get you so far before things start to collapse and people start to see who you really are. True. So I think one of the most important things that I would add to what you said is, like I said, figuring out who the F you are and being more of that person. And when you figure that out and when you live your authentic self, you're going to also naturally gain more confidence because you're not pretending to be somebody who aren't and feeling like a fraud and a fake. You're just being you 
and people are coming to you and it feels good and you get confidence naturally. I'm, I'm a, I'm a very visual person. So like I, I, I like where you're going right there and I, and I want to, I want to try and visualize it to the best of my ability, but imagine, you know, <laughs> I wish I could come up with something better. You're a diamond in the rough. Okay. And you haven't really quite figured out what you truly are, but you're kind of in the rough and you need to be kind of polished. You need to be, you know, chiseled away to kind of figure out what, who, who are you really? You know what I mean? To, to, to really, cause you, you were pretty much molded and shaped when you were like seven, eight years old. And then a little bit more during high school when you were, when you were tested a little bit, when, when you were put under pressure, but then, you know, you pretty much developed who you are, the way you make decisions, like the, the way you speak, the way you react, you know, the type of things that you like and the type of people that you want to be around that, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff <clears throat> that can change over time as you grow up and you get put under more pressure and, you know, as you're exposed to more, you know, different experiences and elements and that kind of things. But more or less, you've pretty much you you've you've created or you've decided who you want to be. But what I what I want you to do is I want you to really dive deep into like why you are with the way you are and why you make decisions certain ways and just get a true understanding of yourself. And then through that deep analysis of who you are, you can determine, okay, am I the type of person that's going to be able to get this shit done today? No. Okay. Who do I got to be in order to get this shit done today? See what I'm trying to say? Having a true understanding of who it is that you are and, and just like, okay, well, like I got to be honest with you, this Wayne, Wayne, I'm looking, I'm looking back in the mirror right now. That guy ain't going to fucking sell that car. I don't know. I've seen people that sell cars. You know what I mean? Wayne is not going to sell nearly as many cars as that guy over there. So what do I got to do? What do I got to do? I've, I've established that I, I, I do not believe that based on my character and the way that I speak, that I'm going to give confidence to the person who is looking to purchase a vehicle today. What do I got to do? Do I change the way I talk? Do I hire someone else? Like what, what it, it, you can't just sit there as an, and use that as an excuse to like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to be a good car salesman. No, I'm going to figure that shit out. Okay. Based on all the information I have right here, what do I need to change for the next 10 minutes in order to get this shit done? doesn't mean that you have to change yourself every single day, all day. Right. But what needs to be done? And that's, and that goes back to those two things that I talked to you about. You need to have the confidence in your abilities in order to get that done. You need to be able to make decisions quickly rather than sitting there and just thinking about it. Right. It's not, not necessarily the best example, but, you know, apply that same concept, apply that same perspective to whatever it is that you're doing in your business for real estate investing. Because some of you are sitting there and you're like, okay, I've compiled all of my joint venture prospects. Oh, my dad will never say yes to that. He just doesn't trust me. What the fuck is it going to take for him to trust you? That's what you need to figure out. Okay, I'm looking at my dad right now. I know my dad has the money. I know that he is interested in real estate investing, but I, I also know that he would never invest with me. Well, start thinking about what it would take for him to invest with you, right? Same thing, your coworkers. I know my coworkers talked a lot about real estate investing. He says he's going to buy this triplex or whichever else. He says he wants to do this. He says he wants to cash flow, but I've watched him for the last four years. He hasn't taken any action. What do I need to do? What do I need to say? How do I need to present myself in order for him to, to invest with me? And you need to study that guy at work. Study him. Think about it. I want you to go home tonight and I want you to think about him for three hours. The way that he, because you need to do your analysis of the way that he acts, what he wants to see, what gives him confidence, right? Study him and figure out the best proposition that would make it a win-win to solve all of his problems. And you got to think about how do I need to walk into that room? Because if you're socially awkward, head down, never making eye contact type of person, they're not going to feel very good about that if that's what they need to see from you. Unless, of course, they're a head down, no eye contact type of person as well. And they totally, they resonate with that. But if this is a person that shakes your hand firmly and looks you in the eyes and you're not looking back, if it's that type of person, they're not going to trust you. Fun fact, Gabby always mentions this to me, and this is something I've been working on for years. I never make eye contact when I'm talking. 
now you guys are going to notice it when I talk to you, which is going to put me on the spot. And then it's going to, it's going to force me to be more comfortable with it. I am terrible with making eye contact. Mm -hmm. I think while I talk, I think while you're talking and it's extremely disrespectful and no one trusts me for it. And I've analyzed that. Gabby's critiqued me on it. Wayne, you don't make eye contact when you're talking and it's, it's not trustworthy. So I heard that and I've been working on that for years. It's a very difficult thing to change because while I'm conversing, normally I'm looking away and thinking to the left about what I'm going to say next, which is again, very disrespectful as well, because it just shows that you're not listening to the person, but I've done a lot of research into this. I'm opening up and being vulnerable with you guys right now. I've done a lot of research into myself and why it is the way that I, why do I do that? This is quite clearly ruining opportunities for me because I don't make eye contact. And if that's you as well, I think you should be thinking about that today. Google, how do I make more eye contact when I'm talking? Get the answer, figure it out, practice. Practice with the ones you love. Practice with your wife or your husband. Do you have little, um, you know, jitters or mannerisms? Do you tap your feet? You know, do you, do you like comb through your hair whenever, when you're talking? How do you stand? You know, have, have someone videotape you while you're talking. And look at yourself and say, would I trust that son of a bitch? Right? Always room for improvement. Wilson actually put in the comments comments here. He said, don't change yourself, but develop yourself. This, yeah. see, this is not me changing myself. This is developing. I noticed that I had that issue and I'm working on it. I'm still, I'm still there's a lot of room for improvement. It's very hard to practice that. Mm -hmm. especially in settings where you're uncomfortable and there's lots of people looking at you. And then you, if, if your whole way of talking has always been looking away and now you need to look, it, I find it very difficult because I'm, I'm focusing on looking at someone's eyes or looking at the, you know, between their eyebrows, mm -hmm. right? Or on the bridge of their nose, they say. So I'm focusing on that, but I'm not focusing on what I'm going to say. And I catch myself sometimes where I'm, you know, having a conversation with someone and all I'm thinking about is their fucking bridge on their nose. And I can't remember what I was going to say. And it's super awkward. And I just want to say, hey, actually, sorry, I forgot what I was, what you were saying. I didn't hear a word you said because I was looking at the bridge of your nose. I'm trying to focus on eye contact. You can't say that. <laughs> no. Yeah. So it, it takes a lot of practice. But it's, you know, that's self-development. Self-development is not reading fucking some book. Oh, I read lots of books on self-development. No, you have to implement it. You have to. I was going to say, what are you doing with that knowledge or the things you learned? If you're not exactly. putting them into practice, then you're just wasting your time. Exactly. And I'm not afraid to be vulnerable here about that. If you guys want to be vulnerable as well, put it in the comments down below or, or call in tomorrow and talk about it. Let's hear about your little quirks. I love this comment. Cody says, I find this real estate investing journey has brought out my true self that I lost for a bit. That's amazing. It is amazing. This real estate investing journey, just like any any business, you, you wonder why business owners and entrepreneurs read so many books. <laughs> Ever notice that? Ever notice as soon as someone decides they want to be in business or they you know start their own business or be an entrepreneur, suddenly they start reading all these books. Suddenly they're they're subscribing to Oprah Winfrey's, you know, book of the month. Suddenly they're, you know. They're reading, you know, they're going to Tony Robbins events and like, whoa, dude, like one second you said you wanted to create a burger chain. The next, like you're going to Tony Robbins events. Why does everybody do it? It's because everybody realizes that the version of me, the current version of me is not the type of person that's going to be able to get this business off the ground. That's what they realize. They realize that this version of me, Wayne 1.0, is not capable of making those decisions quickly enough. Is not capable of looking people in the eyes and getting in raising capital. Is not capable of making people trust them or want to follow them. This version of 1.0 Wayne is not a leader. Is not someone that people will follow. True, deep reflection on yourself, analysis to realize that you know what this ain't gonna work. 
but what do I need to do in order to get that to happen? That doesn't mean that I can't develop into that. I can still be myself. I can still have my same morals and values. I can still talk the way I want to talk. I can still have, you know, hang out with the people that I want to hang out with. I can still treat people the, want to, the way I want to treat people. But these other things that I talked about, being a leader, being the type of person that someone would trust, being a good speaker, looking at people in the eyes, that's stuff that you need to develop. And maybe you got away with it for so many years because you were an employee and it, it, you didn't require that, right? All that you were required to do as an employee was just to show up, clock in, and turn the wrench, switch the button, burn the rod, stare at the light, right? But suddenly you want to go against the grain and do something that nobody else will do, that most people don't do, and you're realizing that, oh shit, this version of me ain't going to work. So I do need to develop myself. I hate the word personal development because it's it's such a cliche category that you find, you know, in the library, a section of the library, right? But that's what it is. You are developing yourself I think, into the person that you need to be in order to achieve these things. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, not just entrepreneurs, but anybody who doesn't want the status quo anymore. Whoever you are, whatever you are, whatever you have going on in your life, if you realize that it's not working anymore and you need change. So, you know, in the instance you just said, the entrepreneur realizing like, I need to, I need to be more if I want to accomplish this. Or the person who's feeling trapped and stuck and realizes like, I'm in a pit, I need to become a better version of myself. They go on a healing journey and read books about that kind of stuff. Uh, somebody who's stuck in a crap job and realizes I need to become, I need to do something different. They go back to school. Mm -hmm. It's, it's an age old, like you, you realize that the status quo isn't working and you educate yourself. That's in school, college, university, that's in uh, personal development in you know, reading all those books and becoming a better entrepreneur. That's in realizing your life sucks and, and healing, a healing journey. It's mm -hmm. anywhere where the status quo no longer works. Right. It's not a new concept. So when you identify those things that are holding you back from being able to get the outcomes that you need in your life, identify them and start working on solutions for them. It's all math. It's all math. It might not be numbers, but it's problem solving. I never realized how truly how, how important math was when I was younger. I always loved it. But I never really realized how truly important it was. Problem solving is very important. Very important. You need to identify the problem, reverse engineer it, and find a solution. What is it going to take for me to be the type of person that looks at people in the eyes when I talk to them? Solve for X. Solve for X, right? And then you need to make the decision quickly. And then you're going to find a solution. And it might be a $400 course. What you need to do is you need to quickly determine the value of that course. Will this course give me the solution that I am looking for to become the person that looks at people in the eyes when I shake their hand and when I talk to them so that I can get more joint venture partnerships so I can close that person? If the answer is yes, and there is no other cheaper alternative, then take the fucking course. Now you know it costs $400 for that solution. It's that simple. But if you don't take the $400 course to learn how to look people in the eyes when you talk, then you're never going to get it. And that's just being ignorant. That's pure ignorance. You're holding yourself back over a small amount of money. That is how I operate. I make those decisions fast, fast. I find the solution. I determine the value, you know, to, to solve that problem, the value of that solution. Can I get it for cheaper and get the same result? No? Okay, done. Move on. Take the course, move on to the next thing. What's next? Your posture is, is, is poor. Okay, why is my posture poor? Because you got tight hips. Okay, I need to stretch every morning because apparently my posture is shit and it's not, I look at myself and I think to myself that I would never trust that humpback no, that's, that's rude. Some people just, but I would never trust that person just because the way they stand. You ever notice some people, the way they stand, you're just like, wow, that person's got a powerful fucking stance. That person walks into a room and just 
by walking in, you can just tell that they are dominating this room. How do they do that? Is it what they wear? No. I mean, sometimes. Why do some people walk in the room, no one knows who the fuck they are, and suddenly people automatically respect them? They are intimidated by them. I'm going to be honest here just for a second, Gab, just to end the show. But the short, fat person, nobody respects. Can we be honest for a second? I know this is not going to, this isn't going to work with everybody. But I know that some people are going to relate to this. Think about it. Think back to high school. Think into life at your workplace. Why do some people progress more than others in the workspace? A lot of it is the way is, is appearances. So sometimes you can control that. Sometimes you can't control that. But if you can control it, then work on it, right? The way you stand, the way you present yourself, the way you dress, the, your hair, your facial, you know, your facial hair, everything else. People, I, I wish the world didn't judge people, but they do. We're, we judge each other constantly. When you meet someone, you shake their hand and you look at them, you are judging them. You're sizing them up and you're determining how you want to, how you're going to treat them. It's the truth. I'm just giving you honest. This is stuff that I normally wouldn't talk about on the podcast because I'm going to hurt some feelings today, but it's the truth. We judge people the second we meet them, the first impression. So think about that. Look at yourself in the mirror. Not, not from a size or from a, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to be a dick. What I'm saying is look at yourself in the mirror. What can I, what can I do to give myself better odds? You are the way that you are. But if there are things that you can control, things that you can develop, then I strongly suggest you do. It gives yourself a better opportunity. I'm, I'm, uh, this, is, this is stuff that I study on a regular basis. Gabby knows that. I've always studied this, even back when, I was in, back when I was working as an employee. Why do some people succeed and others don't? And I will watch people and I'll see. Why do some people come in the room and people jump up for them and the next person comes in the room and nobody reacts? Why? Why are some people treated with more respect than others? Why do some people get more than others naturally without having to do anything? anything? Think about that. Analyze yourself, analyze others, and you'll have a much better opportunity at being successful. It's the truth. I wish it wasn't the case. I wish we could all just, you know, respect each other for who we are, but it's the truth. And if, if that's the rules of the game, that's the problem. We can try and change it, but if that is the rules of the game and other people are winning the game because they're, they're playing by the rules or they understand the rules and you aren't, then you might want to check the rule book. You might want to try and figure out why I'm not succeeding. Why are people not trusting me? Dive deep into it and see what, see what you can do, what you can develop on yourself that will give you better probabilities so you can close those deals and ultimately get the money that you need and the passive income that you need every month to live the life that you want to live. No more excuses, guys. Eight minutes over. Let's go. See you guys tomorrow. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com.